Hello, it's Friday the 19th of March. My name's John Dennis. Today, we look in detail at the drug mephedrone, a legal high. The tragic case of two teenagers who died after taking mephedrone has prompted calls for it to be banned. It's similar to ecstasy or, uh, and cocaine in the sense that it you know, increases the heart rate. Mephedrone, also known as 4MMC, MCAT and Meow Meow, is readily available on the internet where it's often labelled plant food. A user tells us of his experiences. I'll never touch it again. You know, just with the paranoia and, and also just the fact that you can't sleep. It's just, you know, all you want to do is sleep and you just can't. It just gets a bit much. The National Association of Head Teachers is among those calling for an immediate ban. We ask the drugs, law and human rights charity Release whether they think it should be prohibited. We would say, no, not at this point. We need to look at, one, the evidence the scientific evidence, and two, we really need to look at whether the current system for controlling drugs is effective. Joining me in the studio to discuss mephedrone, its effects, and the authorities' response to the deaths in Scunthorpe are Martin Barnes, Chief Executive of the charity Drugscope. He's on the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs. Alan Travis, The Guardian's Home Affairs Editor. And Adam Gabbert, who's been reporting for The Guardian on how internet users have been discussing the drug. But first, let's find out more about 18-year-old Louis Wainwright and Nicholas Smith, who was 19. They died after a night out in Scunthorpe in Lincolnshire. Guardian reporter Robert Booth explains what happened to them. It's thought that they were supplied with a combination of different um, uh, substances. Um, one was um, MCAT or Meow Meow, the uh, um, mephedrone um, substance. It's a legal high. Um, and it's also thought that they were supplied with uh, methadone, the heroin substitute. Um, and obviously they'd been drinking as well. So uh, what seemed to happen is that um, in the early hours of uh, that Sunday night, they suffered severe uh side effects from taking this cocktail during the night it seems that um, Nick Smith um, may have passed away and then Louis Wainwright um, passed away the following morning at home and there are toxicology tests still being carried out to determine the exact role if any mephedrone played in their deaths that's right um, that you know, it's not clear because of the cocktail that they've taken what um, what mephedrone has actually done. I mean, it's it's known that it's a uh, similar to ecstasy or uh, and cocaine in the sense that it you know increases the heart rate. And we've seen that another case has come to light of a 46-year-old man who um, who died in the early hours of February the 7th. And uh, it appears that the toxicology tests have proved that he actually did die of mephedrone poisoning, um, which adds some weight to the, uh, you know, the, the concerns of people who do believe that this is actually, you know, potentially a killer drug, whereas uh, previously there's, there's been lack of clarity really about what uh, we how, exactly how dangerous it is. That's Robert Booth. Well, it'll be several weeks before we know the results of those toxicology tests. Um, Martin Barnes, how much do we know about the, the dangers of mephedrone? I think really the alarming thing about mephedrone is just how quickly, from nowhere, it really has sort of taken off in terms of use and availability. But because it's only been around relatively short period of time, uh, we are on a steep learning curve. The way that a lot of users describe the effect and some of the quite unpleasant side effects, you know, could be heart palpitations, uh, chest pains, Uh, people have been admitted to A&E departments with seizures. And one of the uh, effects people describe is this sort of compulsive use, this feeling that you have to keep redosing. 
The concern with that is it does suggest this is a substance that you can become tolerant to quite quickly and potentially it could be addictive. Alan Travis, uh, Home Affairs Editor of The Guardian, uh, it, as Martin says, it does seem to come from nowhere. I mean, I must admit, I'd never heard of it until this week. Well, it's one of a new generation of what's called designer drugs. You have a whole series of uh, chemists working in uh, Cambodia, parts of China, uh, developing new synthetic uh, derivatives of uh, drugs, drugs which are from, in this case, derived from compounds of the plant cat, hence meow meow and the rest of it, North African uh, constant centuries use uh, of of that plant um, and what they're doing and we saw it uh, last year with spice uh, the, the the cannabis imitator with uh, they're developing legal highs selling them as plant foods bring them into Europe uh, the European markets as legal highs and uh, the effects of which are basically unknown and uh, uh, it's very difficult to know what's what what's actually in some of these some of these drugs sold as uh, mephedrone. Mephedrone itself is one of about five different compounds uh, derived from CAT. And if the government banned those five compounds, it's quite likely within six months they would have uh, synthesised another five compounds with uh, similar imitative effects. Adam Gabbett, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, one of the youngest people in the Guardian's <laughs> newsroom at the moment. I mean, you've been trawling the internet to, to sort of find out what people are saying about, uh, about it. Uh, what are your, what's your impression of the po- about the popularity of this particular drug? Well, um, I've been astonished really about how just how popular it is. Um, some of the people I've spoken to, we've got a great response through the website, um, have actually said they don't know anyone who hasn't been offered it. Um, I know myself just th- through sort of going to parties, nothing particularly extreme, I might add. Um, but I've been offered it myself, not a drug user, um, but I've been approached. I know a lot of friends who've tried it. Um, and the people who have tried it say it's somewhere between cocaine and ecstasy um, at its best with none of the downsides of, of either. But yeah, extremely popular. I think uh, mostly because um, of its cost and it's that easy to get. Well, let's hear a first-hand account now about the effects of methadrone from one user who wishes to remain anonymous. It's a lot like uh, ecstasy and cocaine, very, very similar. And also, myself, I would probably also say it's a lot like a, a meth as well, like a methamphetamine, where it just keeps you awake, gives you a euphoric feeling and keeps you awake for a long time. What about the side effects? Side effects, well, generally, myself personally, I've found I ended up with a lot of paranoia. So that was one thing that makes me, you know, made me not want to take it anymore. Um, and also, you know, just the fact that you can't sleep. So it affected your sleeping patterns as well quite a lot. I've taken it a few times, yeah. So, yeah, I'll never touch it again just because I've had too many bad experiences with it. You know, just with the paranoia and, and also just the fact that you can't sleep. It's just, you know, all you want to do is sleep and you just can't. It just gets a bit much. How easy was it to get hold of methadrone? Oh, it's very easy. It's because it's so readily available. Everybody's, you know, a lot of people have it, um, you know, and you can just order it on the internet if you want as well. So it's very easy to get access to. And how much did it cost? Um, well, I always had it for free. So, you know, we might chuck in, mates might chuck in and buy some um, on the net and it's, you know, it's not much, worth much. I've actually never bought it myself, but never ever paid for it. Always was given it. So, What did you think when you heard about these two teenagers in Scunthorpe who died after taking methadrone? Yeah, that was really sad, um, really sad. Obviously, it's always sad whenever you hear the young guys die or girls, you know. But I think, um, you know, a lot of it is a lot of probably drug use as well because they were also on something else and alcohol as well. So they really are pushing, you know, pushing the body's limits as well. People are talking about banning methadrone. Do you think that a ban would work? 
I think um, a band definitely would work, especially, um, you know, it's not wouldn't be so easily available. Obviously, if you're a drug user, you're still going to be able to find drugs if you want them. And if you want methadone, there will be people out there who will be selling it, even if it is illegal or legal. So, But it will have a major effect on a lot of these school children who don't have access to big dealers and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it'll make it a lot more difficult for them to get hold of as well. Adam Gabbert, uh, still on the, the uses of methadrone, often uh, a drug, a sort of party drug, is associated with a certain kind of music. Is that true of methadrone? It doesn't appear to be, no, um, not from the people I've spoken to. I think it really is just um, a sort of culture thing of the moment. Like, yeah, there was the explosion with ecstasy, sort of an association with house music um, in the 80s and 90s. Um, but that doesn't seem the same with this. I think it's not even a drug people particularly enjoy. Um, it really is just, in a lot of cases, it is there. Um, it's very easy to get. You can have it posted to you next day delivery on most of these websites. Um, I think there is a slight feeling of safety with this um, sort of legal high uh, in inverted commas um, and it's just it's just that easy to get that people take it. Martin Barnes there's a big problem isn't there about the sort of education and educating people about about drugs in general. Yeah and I think the as has been said the fact that this substance is legal and very easy to get hold of you know you can probably get it quicker than you can if you order a book from Amazon you know people get it courier around uh, within a couple of hours of paying for it on a credit card. I think particularly with this substance, because it's so new, people have heard a lot from word of mouth. There's various internet chat rooms. Uh, you know, some of the side effects, the downside is talked about. But I think for a lot of young people, they probably do underestimate the potential harms attached to this substance. And of course, you know, if people are mixing it with other drugs, not least alcohol, that can make it even more unpredictable. But then to balance that, we've got to be careful. We don't over-sensationalise the health messages. You know, the finger-wagging, the just-say-no approach really doesn't work. And the more sensationalised or exaggerated, people won't listen to any message about the public health concerns. Um, Alan Travis, I mean, that's right, isn't it? The, the public health concerns, uh, are, are, you know, we don't really know enough about it at the moment. But have there been any, uh, any deaths that are um, specifically associated with methadrone so far in the UK? Well, looking at Europe, perhaps uh, the European Monitoring Centre for Drugs and Drug Addiction have been started a study of this with Europol. They say there's been one confirmed death in Sweden and several suspected deaths in Britain. The one case which hit the headlines last November was of Gabrielle Price, a teenager in Brighton student, who uh, was this, initially the police said her death was methadone related. But the coroner subsequently said she died of, uh, I think it was bronchial pneumonia. And so that was regarded as a, a suspect case in that sense and not not one to rush to a premature judgment i think it's right to say that very little is known really i mean i think the uh, there's very little clinical research evidence i think on uh, methadone maps martin could tell us a little more of that, about that but in, the, in that vacuum uh, all sorts of speculation and all sorts of demands are being made well there isn't any at the moment you know as i say this is a substance that really only sort of appeared on the radar a year ago 18 months ago uh, drugs Drug Link, uh, our magazine, first highlighted uh, this substance about a year ago because we were picking up a lot of interest in the internet chat rooms. And really, it's just been the last five to six months that it's become so much more widespread, so much more known about, and it's far too soon to really have those objective clinical studies. But I think we are getting sufficient information now 
really to point that this is a harmful substance and uh, for that reason clearly it's now on the agenda to look at uh, whether or not it should be classified. Neve Eastwood is Deputy Director of the Drugs, Law and Human Rights Charity Release and she echoes what Martin was saying there about the evidence uh, needed on the dangers of methadrone. I asked her whether she thought it should be banned. We think this is a real opportunity to take a step back and look at how we control all drugs within society, all recreational drugs and those that lead to problematic use. So we would say, no, not at this point. We need to look at, one, the evidence, the scientific evidence, and two, we really need to look at whether the current system for controlling drugs is effective. Um, The current system leads to drug dealers benefiting, um, to increased prices of drugs and decreased purity. Um, and we think there are safer ways to regulate drugs. How does the current system lead to those things you've just mentioned? Um, well, essentially, uh, we talk about um, prohibiting drugs so that they are controlled, but actually, so they're controlled either as Class A, Class B, or Class C drugs. Um, but the idea that they're controlled is actually a false one. Um, the fact is we have no control over them. So we have a black market, essentially an illegal market, that is driven by extreme profits, um, and that fuels a, a violent um, and, and dangerous um, situation for um, the supply of drugs, if you like, the illegal supply of it. And we believe by bringing it into a regulated format, um, we would see greater uh, protection of the individual and greater protection of society as a whole. What do you think the effect was of the sacking of Professor David Nutt as chairman of the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs on efforts to regulate methadrone? We're aware that uh, it appears to have caused some delay. Um, I think, first of all, the sacking of Professor Nutt really undermined the work and the independence of the ACMD. Uh, a scientist who is essentially giving up his time for free um, to inform government to make good decisions around drugs, um, who should be allowed to give academic talks about scientific research and not fear that they are going to be sacked as a result of it. So I think the independence of the, the council has been really affected and undermined by that. With regards to methadrone, you know, I think the delay in the reporting it will be minimal. Um, it is likely that the recommendation would have been a recommendation that we would have had under Professor Knott. Um, the Council has to work within the remits of the Act. And really, it's time that the, the remit of the Council went beyond just a, a drug harms themselves, but also looked at whether the current system is effective. But you do think there was a delay? Yeah, but a very short one. Uh, how long would we, be, would we be talking about? I, I think no more than 8 to 12 weeks. Martin Barnes, uh, you're on the uh, Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs. To what extent do you think the sacking of David Nutt did undermine the ACMD? Well, clearly it did raise a lot of questions about the government's ability to take independent advice. But in terms of the council's independence, the way that it gathers evidence, it discusses the evidence, it makes its recommendations, it is robustly independent. You know, as a member of the council, I've seen firsthand the care and the attention and the detail that it does its work and it bases its decisions on the evidence, on the science, on the assessment of harms, not on political considerations or how it might play to the gallery. And I think the whole issue of methadrone has really highlighted the important role the Advisory Council plays, that it will look calmly and objectively at the evidence on its harms 
and then make decisions, recommendations, in terms of the appropriate policy responses, including whether or not it should be controlled, banned under the Misuse of Drugs Act. And Alan Travis, in the febrile atmosphere, uh, you know, just before a general election, uh, I guess we should be lucky that we've got such a, such a body. Well, I think uh, Alan Johnson's probably thanking the ACMD for his existence now. He may have rued its uh, activities in December. But, I mean, uh, he, we should stress, first of all, he did ask the ACMD as long ago as last October. It wasn't on Monday that he asked them to take a look at this particular drug and other designer drugs of this new generation. Um, I think there probably was a delay, but I think it was to do with the uh, simple thing with the mass resignations in the wake of that sucking had left uh, a situation where the ACMD didn't have enough members to be quarried to give a formal recommendation to the Home Secretary. And my understanding is that uh, those appointments have actually been speeded up so they have in the next 10 days or so so that legally the ACMD can give his advice. But I think he was able, in the case of Alan Johnson, yet again, of me another piece of masterly inaction, uh, <laughs> doing absolutely nothing, actually turned out to be the correct decision in this situation, where it's a bit of a nightmare for a politician faced with a general election two or three weeks away from being called. You as Home Secretary have got the uh, entire tabloid media family of the two, uh, two horrible deaths, family of those parents of those boys calling for a drug to be banned. And I think the fact that the ACMD does exist means that he could say, let's calm down, let's wait, let's see what the scientific evidence is. Yes, I'll take advice from them as quickly as I possibly can. And in that sense, he, he should be thanking them. Adam, uh, what do you think uh, people who use the drug or know people who use the drug, what do they think about a, the prospects of a ban? Well, it's quite, it's going to be quite interesting to see what people do think. I think a lot of people who use it are using other illegal drugs anyway. So it's hard to see a ban making it illegal, um, you know, actually having any effect. However, I suppose those people who are dabbling with it, maybe because they think um, they're playing on the right side of the law, it could cause a few to drop off. But um, I, to be honest, from a lot of what people have said to me, the people who have been using it for a few months now, um, you know, some people I've spoken to have been using it for up to four months. And um, it seems a lot of lost interest. Um, it's not... Um, perceived to be quite as good as the more established drugs, which um, is, is what uh, a certain person said to me anyway. Um, however, on the other side, um, I have heard this morning from one of the people um, who's been contacting me that uh, her friends have started stockpiling the drug in case <laughs> the, ahead of a potential ban. So maybe there's some life for it yet. And, I mean, Martin Barnes, the council, the ACMD, is meeting on the 29th of March to discuss methadrone. What happens then? I think there's a big issue about the parliamentary timetable. Um, you know, I think it's very likely that the Advisory Council will recommend that this substance is banned, controlled. The issue then is what classification it should have, C, B or A. Um, it's likely that the chair of the council will meet with the Home Secretary quite soon after the meeting. There'll probably be some public statement in terms of the council's advice. But, you know, with the election coming up, how quickly can government introduce the necessary legislation? My view would be that if the council does recommend to ban it, then we should ban it quite quickly. Um, A, because of this precise point that there is evidence of it already being stockpiled. And, you know, I think we do need to have that fundamental review of the legislation and the Misuse of Drugs Act. But what we're faced with at the moment is quite a powerful psychoactive drug that is so readily available and is legal to purchase. And there's no provision, it seems, under the Medicines Act, under the safety regulations, under uh, consumer safety provisions, to currently control or regulate that sale. And the only policy response in the locker that we can use to respond quickly appears to be 
to ban it under the Misuse of Drugs Act. There's actually more controls over the sale and content of a tin of baked beans at the moment than there is for methadrone. You can get hold of it. It doesn't have to have any contents on it, any safety warnings, anything like that. Um, and, uh, you know, a gram for as cheap as £10. That's interesting because, I mean, it raises the question of that if the Home Secretary listened to what Professor David Nutt wrote in The Guardian yesterday where he suggested it would be useful to create a new Class D which you could put uh, drugs which uh, kind of you don't know what their real effects are but you want to warn people about their possible public health effects uh, whilst you whilst the ACMD and the experts get to study what exactly the potential hazards are that could be quite useful he I think, I think New Zealand he said had done this with uh, BZP which was uh, another of these designer drugs I think there's also potentially a need to look at say perhaps some fast track regulation which some uh, countries have you know where these substances do emerge that there's a sort of uh, short-term almost emergency control to allow for the gathering of the evidence and a decision in the longer term The difficulty, though, to look at introducing a Class D or to review the legislation will take time if it happens at all. It would need a new Act of Parliament. What we're faced with at the moment is this growing concern about methadrone, uh, evidence of its harms, and the Council will be acting entirely within its remit to assess those harms and make the appropriate recommendation under the current legislation. I think to do nothing or to keep it as it is at the moment, legally, freely available, I really don't think is an option. Alan, uh, we've got a general election coming up. There there could be a Conservative government uh, in a few months' time. Um, Do you think that uh, there's any prospect of of any sort of radical change of any sort? Well, I mean, we, the Conservative Party and drugs has been an interesting history over the last five or six years since half the Shadow Cabinet revolted when Anne Whittacombe, <laughs> first we remember, suggested increasing the penalties for smoking cannabis. Um, and we have uh, Alan Duncan as the prisons minister now, who I think wrote a book some years ago in which he advocated legalising heroin, not a position I think he particularly cleaves to anymore. But, I mean, it's, it's in the mix, and uh, I think there's probably... Uh, Social policy areas, I think David Cameron has a strong interest in drug rehabilitation and treatment and um, might see some novel approaches in that sense. I don't think we're going to see some major changes in drug classification systems. Alan Travis, The Guardian's Home Affairs Editor, Martin Barnes from Drugscope and Adam Gabbett. Many thanks for talking to us today and we'll reconvene in six months when there's a new drug to discuss. Andy Duckworth was the producer of today's edition of Guardian Daily. My name's John Dennis. Thank you for listening.